is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we try to unjumble an important and sometimes under the radar statewide story that affects you. I'm Shana Roth. A recently formed group in Michigan, Great Schools Initiative, or GSI, is arming parents with a new sexual education opt-out form that focuses heavily on cutting out any conversation about gender identity and sexual orientation in schools. That's the lead of Allison Donahue's piece out this week from the Michigan Advance on a new right-wing group fighting LGBTQ plus inclusive sex education in schools. Allison, welcome to Mishmash. Hi, Shana. Thanks for having me. Let's start with what is currently taught in schools. What is the guidance for schools from the state when it comes to teaching things like sex education, gender identity, and sexual education? So in Michigan, under state law, there are some things that aren't allowed to be taught about in sex education classes. We are an abstinence um, state, so we teach about abstinence rather than other forms of safe sex, and we don't teach about abortion in Michigan under state law. What about when it comes to any sort of LGBTQ education? Is there any of that currently in state schools or is there a guidance on that? So far, there isn't explicit guidance on what can or can't be taught compared to like heterosexual sex education. Um, But that isn't without saying that folks are trying to Um, restrict teaching about same-sex couples and um, gender identity, those kind of things in classes. So Michigan law already allows parents to opt their children out of sex education in public schools. What is the point of this GSI group? I mean, it sounds like this is something that's not really explicitly being taught in schools. Individual parents can opt out. Is this just a way to get parents riled up about boogeymen? And what has the reaction been? What's different about this compared to the op-ed for op-out form that schools already offer is this rogue sex ed, which includes um, opting their kids out from seeing pride flags in the schools, um, opting their kids out from talking about pronouns with their with their teachers, things that are not included in a typical sex ed class. And that's what makes it different because it would be hard for schools not to violate that in a lot of ways. Um, and it takes away a lot of people's freedoms too. So there is a lot of reaction that this is going too far, that it's really putting schools in a bad spot and making them vulnerable to lawsuits um, if GSI decides to go that route. Is that the ultimate goal here from what you can tell of this group? Is it to get the full-blown guidance changed in schools or is it to have various lawsuits? I guess, what is, what is their end game here? They had a meeting earlier this month. Nathan Paul um, was one person who spoke during that meeting, and he talked about the resources that GSI has for lawsuits. So they're rolling out this Operation Opout, which is to get parents from all of these different parental rights groups, like we've seen across the state, Moms for Liberties, um, Let Them Be, which is formerly known as Let Them Play, and getting them all to kind of flood schools with these opt-out forms. So that when they do violate it, yeah, GSI has lawyers ready to file lawsuits against these schools. Where did this group, the Great Schools Initiative, come from? Do you know who formed the group, how big they are? Break down some of the details about them for us. Yeah, there's not a ton known about them. I know that they are in partnership with the Thomas More Society, which is based in Chicago. Great Schools Initiative is a Michigan group and they're partnering with Michigan 
parental rights groups to kind of make it, um, that's where a lot of their membership is coming from are these other groups. So it's hard to tell exactly how big it is, but it seems to be pretty widespread so far, just seeing the parents um, that I can recognize who are a part of this, um, a part of this group so far. In your piece, you wrote that during that Thursday GSI meeting, Halp said that if hundreds of parents drop off opt-out forms to their schools, quote, this is going to change everything because it'll be too much for them to handle. What is, I guess, their plan for carrying this out? Is it just to get these forms in the hands of their members? What is their next steps? Yeah, so it's throughout this month and February, they're rolling out Operation Opt-Out. Um, which is, yeah, so the parents can go online, print out this form, sign it, and then bring it into the school, say they want it in their student's file, just um, exactly like they would do with a normal school opt-out form. Um, And then I think they're just kind of waiting for the schools to either turn them away and reject the form or schools to violate it. Um, And so then they can file these lawsuits. I they just need one lawsuit to be successful to set a precedent. And I think that's their main goal. I feel like when we get into these conversations about what is going to be taught in schools about calls for ending critical race theory and banning books and what's taught in sex ed, we hear from a lot of grownups and not a lot of kids. Is there a concern for what this type of for lack of a better term, yelling against LGBTQ plus education is going to do to the kids, especially the LGBTQ plus kids. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one part of that rogue sex ed um, portion of the opt-out form is about gay straight alliance clubs, GSAs, and not allowing those students to share on the morning announcements or, um, basically not letting them have a platform in schools. And of course, it's going to be harmful for students. GSAs are supposed to be safe places for these students um, in schools where they're often faced with bullying, um, they're othered. And so, yeah, I think a lot of folks are worried about the mental health impact this is going to have on LGBTQ youth. Is there a plan in the schools or with any of the LGBTQ groups to help the kids during What is turning out to be a pretty tumultuous time for them? Not that I have heard. Um, I talked with Erin Knott from Equality Michigan, and she's voiced her concerns, but I haven't heard of any um, efforts to do anything for kids yet. I think it's a lot of hurry up and wait right now to see what this opt-out form really turns into. But yeah, I haven't heard any like proactive efforts. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about is you had a really incredible piece in the Michigan Advance Friday morning about a Grand Rapids Black LGBTQ plus run arts and creative center for youths that was denied badly needed COVID-19 relief funding because of politics. Allison, walk us through what happened here. Kent County um, started this process earlier last year to find community projects and county projects that needed extra funding. They had nearly $127 million to work with. Um, So they put it out in the public and said, pitch us some proposals. Um, And they got more than 300 proposals, 319 community proposals. And one of them was from the diatribe, which like you mentioned is a black and LGBTQ run arts and culture center focused on after school programs for 
um, youth around West Michigan. What was your process for reporting out this story? How did you come across it? Yeah, so the story was flagged for me a couple days after the Kent County Board of Commissioners held a meeting on December 1 last month um, to vote to approve the uh, proposals pitched by the community members. Um, they ended up approving 30 proposals for funding. Um, the diatribe was not one of them. So Marcel Price, the executive director of the diatribe, he reached out to me. We talked through it um, and I, I had heard from others off the record that there were inside behind the scenes conversations that the diatribe was never going to be chosen um, despite it being ranked one of the highest number. It was ranked um, in the top 12 of over 300 proposals. So it was ranked very highly for community impact, feasibility. I started, I filled out a FOIA and sent that over to Kent County and asked for text messages between a number of the Kent County Board of Commissioners, uh, their text messages and emails um, regarding ARPA funding. And that is how I got some of the conversations where they very explicitly talked about not funding diatribe and searching for connections between um, Black Lives Matter and the defund the, uh, defund the police movement. So it sounds like the commissioners wanted to use some of this money for a Black-led organization. What was their problem with the diatribe? That never really became clear. So through the text messages, there were a few things that um, caught my eye. Again, um, Commissioner Emily Brevey, she's a Republican, um, she asked about whether there were posts regarding uh, the defund the police on the diatribe website, um, and there wasn't. Um, another um, commissioner, Ben Green, another Republican, he flagged a, a page on the website that talked about toxic masculinity, among, among many other things that um, the diatribe works with students on. He sent that to the chair, Stan Steck, another Republican, when Steck asked for the posting about that included, or the offensive posting from the diatribe. Um, so they were really reaching for um, a reason not to include the diatribe, but it really was never clear because um, all of their searches were really unsuccessful um, to find a reason. Was there any discussion of sort of political impacts of giving funding to this organization? Yeah, so the text messages and emails didn't explicitly talk about fear of political backlash, but uh, Phil Skaggs, who is now a state representative in the House, um, he's from East Grand Rapids, he's a Democrat, he was on the Kent County Board of Commissioners at the time, and he had told me that behind the scenes there were these conversations that if Republicans on the board approve funding for the diatribe, um, a new slate of far right Republicans could come to Kent County in the next election and try to unseat these current commissioners like we saw in Ottawa with Ottawa Impact. I think that was their fear and part of their reasoning for not funding the diatribe according to what I'm hearing from conversations about negotiations. Tell us more about the diatribe, its impact on the Grand Rapids community, and what not getting this funding is going to mean for them. 
Yeah, so the Diet Tribe is um, an arts and culture center that does after school programs with students. They serve 5,000 students in West Michigan from 20 to 30 different school districts. Um, and yeah, they've been a part of the Grand Rapids community for a long time. They were they became a nonprofit in 2016. Marcel Price was the poet laureate in Grand Rapids from 2017 to 2020. He's the executive director of the Diatribe now. So they have been established in the city and in Kent County in West Michigan um, for quite some time. And what is going to happen to them now that they don't have this funding? They're not giving up. Um, they're still going to buy the building that they were going to use the funding for. They do have... Um, other folks who are donating and putting in money toward this project, um, like Steelcase is a big one who is, who's donating to them. They're going to make it work. Um, they're scrappy, they'll make it happen. So I think for them, that's less of the point. It's more about that they were uh, intentionally targeted by some board members. Though They are still planning to go through with um, their project the best that they can. Allison Donahue is a reporter for The Michigan Advance. Allison, thank you so much for joining me here today on Mishmash. Thanks, Shana. Thanks again to our guest, Allison Donahue from The Michigan Advance. Mishmash is produced by WDET, Detroit's NPR station. This episode was produced by myself, Shana Roth, and the always amazing Hearns Laguerre Jr. Our news director is Jerome Vaughn, and our podcast manager is David Lyons. Our digital team is Dave Kim and Sophia Joswiak, and our podcast interns are Ashley Harris, Patrick Furness, and Jack Philbrand. As always, if you love this podcast and want to support it, you can do so by leaving us a review. Or if you really, really like the show, you can support WDET by just going to WDET.org slash give without your support. Shows like this one and other great programs from WDET just are not possible. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. We'll be right back.